This is the Faith Ventures Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, telling stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. If you appreciate this program, support the nonprofit work of LCI by donating at libertarianchristians.com slash donate. And if you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. All right, welcome to the Faith Ventures Podcast. I'm Dr. Norman Horn, and with me today is our guest, Mr. Jameson Davis of Guardian Wealth Management, based out of Arizona, but multi-state and all around America. So welcome to the show, Jameson. We're here to talk about business. Thanks for joining me here today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So first off, we always want to give you a little uh, chance to talk about your business. What do you kind of do for a living? And what does that kind of career journey looks like? Let's talk about some of the big highlights of that and the creation of Guardian. Sure. Well, we are a financial services firm, specifically serving U.S.-based churches and those of vocational ministry. And I got into this business actually as a high school kid, if you can believe it. Oh, really? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I went to, I was 16, went to the mall, applied at every store. Nobody would hire me. And I went across the street to the bank to get my last 20 bucks out of my savings account to put gas in my car and drive home in defeat. And I had just been asking for applications all day and I asked for an application at the bank, filled it out. They hired me on the spot and I became a teller. And that just set a trajectory professionally for me of just financial services. So I've been in financial services since 1999, licensed financial advisor since 1999 and have built and grown and sold multiple businesses I joined a financial marketing organization to serve other financial advisors, banks, broker dealers, credit unions, et cetera. And really a few years ago, I had a really big turning point in my career. I had a health incident. I went out for, I was training for a half marathon, went out for a run and had a heart attack. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, young, healthy, they couldn't figure out why, but it really got me thinking and being reflective about how am I living my life? How am I integrating my faith and my vocation? And, you know, at this point, it's, it's not about making money, but it's making an impact with the time that I have here. And, you know, maybe tomorrow's not promised. And, and so I started thinking about how can I bring financial services and the kingdom of heaven, kingdom work together. So I've uh, been a financial advisor for 25 years, 10 years in the middle of that when I owned my own businesses. I was also a pastor at my church. So I was bivocational for about 10 years. So full-time associate pastor at my church, running my business. Um, And that's what started Guardian. So I stepped away from our financial marketing organization, our wholesale business serving broker-dealers, RIAs, other financial advisors. And we started Guardian Wealth Management and with the intention to serve the church. So I know as a bivocational minister, that the rules are totally different. And I've been helping pastors. I've been referred to one pastor to another to another, and I've had to re-educate them on the rules around vocational ministry and just how they're kind of upside down from traditional marketplace thinking. And so we're helping pastors. I'm going to get the stat wrong, but it was something like Barnett Group came out with a stat that said it was something like 80% of seminary grads are no longer in vocational ministry after five years. And yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and I know ministry is hard. I mean, it's the hardest job I've ever had. Oh yeah. And you can't tell me that there aren't financial things that come into that 
decision to step away from vocational ministry. You got married and you have kids and you got seminary debt and school debt and, and it just seems easier to go be a realtor or something. So one, we want to educate pastors on their unique tax codes so that they can take advantage of that so that they can have a hope for the future. Cause everybody wants, you know, they still want to retire one day. They want to put their kids through school, just like everybody else. Right. So we give them a plan so that they don't have to worry about the future. So they can focus on ministry today. And then a part of that plan is we do retirement plans for churches, nominations, Bible colleges, seminaries, very specific 403B9 church or denominational retirement plan. So now I travel around the country. I'm a national speaker. I, if I wanted to, I could be on the road 52 weeks a year speaking at church conferences and denominational meetings and church staff meetings, just educating folks on their unique tax code. And all that came about because of my 20 plus years in the financial services world, and then my kind of midlife crisis, if you will. But now I'm having more fun than ever. And I'm just thankful that we do. We're in a country where we can just start a new business, that we can live our faith out in the marketplace, whether we're in a vocational ministry or not. And so we're just having a blast. That's so cool. And like that story is fascinating. And that it really resonates with the mission of what we're trying to even do here with Faith Ventures and talk about the way in which our faith plays out in the marketplace. I'm hoping maybe, are there any other like big moments you've talked about your, your heart attack, you've talked about this kind of realization of the need, you saw a very specific need in the marketplace, that being the uh, a plight of the minister, the, the church worker that needs some additional help in financial planning and whatnot. Do you have any other kind of other re- big moments where you realize something about something that kind of particularly resonates with you about how your faith would kind of play itself out in this particular business? Oh, absolutely. So, well, the very first thing I think of my first mentor in the business, he wasn't Christian, but he was a devout Jew and, but very ethical man. And the first thing he taught me, do the right thing be good with God, and then the money will come. And I believe that is absolutely true. That's been true. I think, unfortunately, I think in every industry, but including financial services, there are folks are taken advantage of. And because people are just looking for to make a quick buck or what have you. And so I'm proud to say because of that ethic of be right with God and do the right thing, money will come. I've had a great career, not a single complaint. And without that, I don't know if I had gotten the wrong mentor early on that could have really changed how I went about my business and really just being me. I always felt comfortable. So I've, I met Jesus when I was 12, got baptized, and I've never felt like I can't be who I am in the marketplace. That I can have a faith, I can love people, I can love God, and I can do good and provide a good living for my family. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, so what sort of challenges have you kind of experienced in trying to live this out in particular and in your particular situation? Uh Uh-huh. Well, I think just like in any career, profession, business that you're building, there's always the, there's always a temptation of shortcuts. There's always a temptation of, not thinking about how beyond the current moment of how am I making money today, but really how does this impact everyone else? How does this impact the family I'm serving? How does this impact my family? How does this impact a community of people when it comes to 
your personal finances. And so that's the thing about money. Money is not just money. Money is all kinds of things. We attach so many emotions to money, safety, security, greed. And it's really tempting just to focus, just like a doctor, for a doctor just to focus on the data and not the patient. And as a financial advisor, it's really easy just to, hey, I'm going to manage my models. Give me your money and I want to manage it. But so much of, I would say, where I've been able to live my faith out in my career is sitting down with folks in my office or across the dining room table with them and talking about money, but in the context of how is this making, how is this money decision impacting their life? And, you know, oftentimes we get, I believe everybody picks up the phone and calls somebody like me eventually in their life, whether it's, hey, we went through a divorce and I got to figure out how to split up this 401k or our kids want to go to college or mom died and left me some money or the house. And what do I do? Hey, the IRS sent me this tax bill and my marriage is on the rocks and can you help us? So there is always something around money that is far more important than money. And we get to enter into that space as Christ enters into the world to incarnate the love of Christ in the midst of sometimes really difficult times and places and add value to people just beyond, hey, what do I do with this money or tax bill? You, you bring up some, and you, you alluded to this earlier too, like the, the act of kind of entering into sometimes these difficult situations and getting people kind of on board with trusting you and believing in you has got to be an interesting challenge. I mean, you, you, you've noted that uh, some people are out just to make the quick buck. Obviously, you're not trying to do that. How do you instill confidence? And, and this maybe this is a little off the skew of what I even prepared for, but like, how do you instill confidence in your potential client to kind of believe in you, to trust you with, I mean, because we can always appeal to the data and say like, look what I did, look what I did. But like, and, and you can also just say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm a good guy, you know, just believe me. But there's something about authenticity there. There's something about like, how do you approach that? And because that sometimes can be difficult for people. Yeah, it it is. And I would say I I never come out, hey, I'm a Christian, so trust me, I'm a good guy. I mean, when someone says that to you, that's when you want to just run for the hills, <laughs> you know? It should be evident how we live our life and the words we use right. and the actions that we have. And and then also I've never wanted to, even in this, we serve, we have over 170 group plans in 28 states serving all kinds of denominations and churches and seminaries and Bible colleges all over the country. I never want to be the guy that's like, I'm using Jesus to sell a retirement plan. I never, you know, so all that to be said, this has been a great career for me because I truly am a people person. I love people. I want to help people. I've always wanted to make an impact in this world. And Jesus said, love God and love people. And so just being a financial advisor and dealing with money and helping people with tax plans, I mean, that's just my way of entering into their world to love them and add value to them in one way. And then it it is interesting when you add value to somebody in, in one way and certainly around finances, they trust you with their money. They trust you with all kinds of things. They get really vulnerable because I think in our Western society, like how much money is in my bank account is like one of the most vulnerable things we tell each other, (laughs) right? So once I get that, man, the floodgates open and we get to really talk about real stuff and life and faith and the good and the bad and marriage and kids and all that good stuff. So 
as far as how do I get people to trust me? I honestly, I don't, I really just show up and I truly want to help people. And I don't, at various times with various businesses, we had different thresholds of what clients we would take on and do that all kind of thing. But I've really, at this point, I've set all that aside. If somebody wants help, I want to help whether I get paid or not. Now I will say we always get paid because we do the right thing. The money does come and referrals come and all that good stuff. So I think people just see that, yeah, I do want to help and I'm not interested in, you know, the money part. Interesting. Okay. So shifting gears for a bit, you know, being part of the financial services company and what's going on, like some Christians, I think, kind of misunderstand a lot of what happens in economies and how this stuff all works. So I'm Uh curious in particular, like you have a, a, probably a really interesting kind of viewpoint because you work with ministers, churchmen and women on a regular basis. Do you find that these, that the Christians that you work with have like misconceptions about the nature of money and doing business and what it means to be operating in the free market? What are, can you give us some examples, of like maybe some of those things that you've heard and perhaps how you even talk to them and help them to overcome those uh, issues? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Well, I would say <laughs> it's, it, it is always shocking to me just to talk to ministers, pastors, those in uh, vocational ministry, our Christian marketplace, just we as Christians, we're the ones who misconstrue scripture around money more than anybody. Right. And I think, yeah, you know, we've met so many pastors who honestly, you don't do it for money. These guys, nobody gets personal finance classes when they graduate Bible college or seminary. Yet these guys are running nonprofits with a million, two million or more budgets, and they have zero financial <laughs> acumen. Um, and all that to say that they, they don't pay themselves well. The church doesn't pay themselves well. They make so many mistakes like opting out of Social Security and Medicare because somebody told us to, and uh, we have the wrong retirement plans. We're using 401ks when we should have a 439 church retirement plan. And, I, and all the mistakes you can think of happen at every single church. We've never met a single church that had it all right from payroll to taxes to retirement. And all that to say, I, I kind of ask like, Why? How is this possible that every single church we've helped out of thousands of clients, not a single person's ever got it right? And I think it's because pastors overwhelmingly have this idea that, you know what? I'm just going to pray that Jesus comes back before I die. (laughs) Yeah. And then also like it's a sin to care about money or so therefore I'm not going to care about it. I'm not going to plan That's for I'm not going to pay attention or be intentional with building my financial life. Now, if we go to the parable of the talents, I mean, mm-hmm. we have to be good stewards of the dollars that come our way and of our tax code, which every pastor has the most unique tax code of any profession in America, and they're not taking advantage of it. Just across the board, Christians, I think, tend to not be good stewards of what God has given us. And then churches, especially during COVID, man, that was a tough time for everybody. And we're just walking alongside folks as consultants and cheerleaders. And really, we have a ministry to ministers. I know what it's like to be in the trenches. And we're just walking alongside guys and letting them cry on our shoulder and trying to encourage them and help them problem solve. But in the midst of that, I mean, people just stopped giving. Christians just stopped giving. Not even, and if you look at the data, like how much are Christians giving? Well, they're not tithing or tipping. So 
I, I yeah. would say there, there are probably, I've met non-Christians far more generous and passionate about the cause that they support than the vast majority of Christians. And they're able to do that because they paid attention to their finances. Yeah. Right. They were good stewards of what the dollars that passed through their hands and therefore were able to be generous and make an impact with their dollars. And so that's one thing I'm just, you know, I'm always disappointed in us as a tribe, as Christians, that we just, we should be leading the world in this, in managing our resources so therefore we could be generous and make an impact in the kingdom of heaven. And so that's the stuff I get passionate about. So I'm, I'll work with anybody if they want to figure out, hey, how can I be a better steward of what God has given me so that my dollars can make a greater impact in the kingdom? I'll give them all the time and energy in the world. That's a neat perspective. And, and you had a, you said something there I, I kind of want to seize upon for a moment. And, and it's a, uh, because I, I think this is a, it's a point oft misunderstood. And that's just like the, uh, the eschatology of, uh, <laughs> and how our eschatology kind of affects the way that we think about money is, is really kind of a subtle and, and perhaps underappreciated little like spike in our minds that we need to kind of fix. Uh, because yes. it's one thing to believe that we are, of course, in the, the already, but not yet as we like to say that in the Church of Christ where I'm from. <laughs> but we also live in church society, at least, that privileges kind of the that predispensational theology of, oh, well, Jesus is coming soon, so <laughs> and, and the rapture is going to solve everything sort of right. scenario. And if that's the case, then it can lead one to become perhaps a bit more, shall we say, higher time preference from an economic point of view, meaning we place a higher value on now then later. And so that is kind of runs up in, in a weird sort of convoluted sense of, because if we're heaven bound, we have kind of this eternal sense ahead of us. That's true. But we, we tend to put this weird high value on the now that says, well, at least the temporally, we don't need to care. And that affects the way that we manage our finances, I think, at times. And it affects the way in which we even give to the church. Like we don't think generationally and whatnot, which is kind of, I, and so I'm kind of curious the way that, that, how did that strike you or does that resonate with you at all? And what, what kind of would you add on to that? Well, and to your point that, uh, so it's our personal finances affect everything around us. Uh, it affects my family tree for generations. What I do today will affect those generations. If I'm not giving generously to my church, well, what's the impact on the kingdom of heaven? So, you know, I think God's, plan to redeem and restore the world is through the local church. That's plan A and there's no plan B. And we are hindering the work that can be done when we are not generous because we are, oh, worried about having enough for retirement maybe, or, hey, I'm taking a vacation or the furnace went, so that's why I couldn't give because I didn't plan ahead and have an emergency fund or all those scenarios. And so our personal finances affect the world around us, and then even pastors, how they, and churches, how they take care of their pastors. So if the church is the plan to redeem and restore the world and our Western culture, I believe that needs leadership. And in the West, well, that's usually a paid vocational pastor or minister. And so that's where we see, I think, the the church shrinking. Now, Vega churches are growing, but the smaller community churches are going away. And we saw so many of that happen during COVID mm-hmm. that they just closed their doors. And, and we've seen churches go from a thousand to a hundred to tens to there's one elder with the key left to the building 
Wow. Because, you know, pastor, so we want to help keep people in ministry, those 25-year-olds, we want to keep them in ministry, focus on today in ministry because they don't have to worry about the future. But also we want to help people leave ministry and leave well. Because mm-hmm. there, when there is no succession plan, that's when a church of a thousand becomes 110 because pastor opted out of social security, Medicare, the church didn't save enough for him. He didn't save enough because Jesus is going to come back, right? And, and everything's <laughs> going to be fine. And so he's staying in the pulpit because he can't afford to leave the pulpit because he doesn't have health insurance because mm-hmm. he doesn't have any income in retirement. And so he can't think about hey, what do we need to do to keep this church in this community redeeming and restoring the world until Jesus does come back, whether that's tomorrow or in a thousand years or 10,000 years, we don't know the day or time. And, but they just think about themselves in the moment versus, you know, we really need a succession plan here. We really need to, yeah. we need pastor to be set up at 65 or 70 or whenever it's time where everyone's like, hey, it is time for pastor to do something different for the kingdom. And we need to bring in the succession plan that will continue the good work of the church in this community. But if we're not intentional with our church's finance, we're not intentional with our personal finances, people aren't giving, well, we can't create that succession plan and launch someone into retirement and bring in this, you know, someone else. So that's where money is. It's not just about us and our decisions. There are wide ranging effects to our families, our communities, and the kingdom. And it's also interesting because there are many aspects to these types of plans and the way in which we have to plan well. And it's not particularly hard to do. It no. just does take thought. Yes. And that's like, I think, you know, some churches, you know, I've seen this before where I've been that there's this almost willful, intentional ignorance in a sense. Yes. That kind of comes about as a result of these types of mentalities and it, and I think that there's there's an additional kind of spillover effect sometimes into the because the way that we treat this in the church like is in some sense emblematic or osmotically gets into the way that we think about ourselves sometimes that the result is that if well if the church doesn't need to be good stewards of its own resources in this way well perhaps I don't have to be as responsible internally as well and so I think that's another maybe subtle point that uh, I'm thinking about here that maybe comes out of even the stuff that you teach, I bet, on a regular basis when you go speak to churches. Oh, absolutely. And so that's, I can tell you, we've never seen a financially healthy church unless the pastor is financially healthy. Interesting. And it is top down. It is trickle down. It is, if the pastor is not taking care of himself and managing his own personal finances, he's he's not going to get up on stage and talk about personal finances. And Jesus talked about personal finances. Jesus mm-hmm. talked. So yeah, it's there's so much that the church we need. And I can say this being, I mean, I'm I'm in it, right? I see how the sausage is made, if you will. And and there are so many areas where the church we just need to be better. And this is just one of them. But it has, I think, farther reaching effects than anyone stops to think about. Awesome. Well, as we kind of draw to a close here, I want to sum up some of the things that you've said, or at least give you the opportunity to kind of sum up your core message and what you want to tell our audience here today. So kind of like, what are some of the key things that you would want a Christian listening to this to kind of take away and maybe either act upon or change in their own mind? here? Yeah. So we have freedom in Christ that we, life is about get to's, not have to's. And so 
especially those of us in the West with resources, we get to think about how can we maximize the talents that have been given to us to make a greater impact for our master and the kingdom of heaven. And if we are not doing that, if we are burying our talents, I believe there's going to be a conversation had with all of us <laughs> at the end. And we will be judged on what we have used for the kingdom. And so let's be generous. Let's be thoughtful. Let's be intentional. Let's think about my time, my talents, my treasure, and how, how what am I doing in the marketplace every day? And how is that making an impact uh, for the kingdom of heaven? How am I loving God and loving people in a way that people just see that and know that? And I don't have to proclaim, hey, I'm a Christian, which you know is fine and dandy too. But we have a unique opportunity as Christ followers to live out our freedom in the marketplace for the betterment of the kingdom of heaven. Jameson, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing all this today with me and with our audience here. Uh, I'm just so, so pleased that we got to, to meet and to have this conversation. Uh, thanks for joining me once again, sir. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Last little bit. Tell people how they can either reach you or your business uh, on the web. So if they want to go investigate Guardian Wealth Management, what do they need to do? Absolutely. You can go check out guardianwm.com. Awesome. Guardianwm.com. And there's a bunch of resources there and a way to contact us as well. All right. Well, thank you, Jameson, once again. And to our audience, we bid you a fair good night and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. 